You're listening to Save Yourself, conversations, ideas, and strategic thinking with the four founders of Unlimited Wealth. Join us for discussions, debates, and strategies that have brought them and their clients financial freedom, and how you too can break free from traditional boundaries to unlimit your wealth. Welcome, everybody, to Save Yourself Podcast, brought to you by Unlimit Wealth. What's up, Brad? What up, John? Let's do this. Let's do it. What are we talking about today? We're going to talk about the differences between savings and investments or investing. Sounds kind of simple, but it's important. Well, I thought those were the same. What's the difference? Yeah, isn't it interesting that some like 401k statements will even say like your 401k savings plan? Mm. That's a little confusing. Seems to be confusing. Why is that confusing, though? Is, isn't that savings? Isn't a 401k savings? Well, the way that we define savings is money that you can't afford to lose, you don't want to lose it, and it's probably earmarked for a future purchase. And we need access to that money, right? Yep. So that's pretty simple. We also define investments or investing as money that you're willing to take some risk with to try to get that high rate of return. Mm-hmm. But with risk, obviously, comes the possibility of loss. Absolutely. And so, and both uh, are good. And we, we think both have a place. They just should be those terms and those money should not be commingled. I 100% agree. And I think that, you know, frankly, every client that we talk to has the reaction that I just had almost uh, unequivocally when you say, well, what's the difference in savings and investing? They say, well, I thought that was the same. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's because that's what we've been told. You know, we talked uh, in episode one about the noise, right? You know, those two words, and I think it's um, it's a shame, but in our industry, financial advisory world, those two words get, get used together like that they are the same. Mm-hmm. When you sit down with an advisor, you hear a commercial, you hear another entertainer on the radio, but they're completely different. They have different jobs, right? So we believe that both are good, like you said, but nobody has capacity to invest until they create excess savings, right? So how would somebody create Excess there, what does that even mean? Like, what would we use savings dollars for differently than we would use investment or investing dollars for? Tease this out for me, or please feel free to challenge this question. But don't all investments flow from savings? Uh, Yes, they do, as a matter of fact. So think about it this way. Um, you get uh, whether whether you're an employee, so you get a paycheck. Whether you're an investor and one of your investments comes due or, or fulfills, or if you're an entrepreneur or business owner, you do a job, you get paid for that job. And initially, upon deposit of those funds, th- their savings dollars right then, right? They may not stay there long. People have mortgages to pay, they got employees to pay, they got bills to pay, they got to put gas in a car. Right, all those things go out from the savings bucket, right? And so, until there's leftover, leftovers in that savings bucket, we don't have anything to invest. Right? And people, a lot of times, and I've been guilty of this, will will confuse that and think that you know savings dollars or when I'm saving money, it's just any money that I put anywhere that I don't spend right now. You gave the 401k example earlier, right? They would think they're saving money in their 401k. Well, a 401k is not a bad place to put money, but we wouldn't say that's savings. We would say that's investing money because there's opportunity for loss. There's risk involved. 
and it's not going to be liquid, not ready accessible, especially if you're not 59 and a half yet, uh, all those things that would go along with that. So what would you add to that, John? I think you nailed it. Remember back in the day when we'd go like speak to a group and we, we got like a dollar in change and then we went around as a bunch of real estate professionals. So we hand all these people little clear like sandwich baggies with a dollar and, you know, pennies, nickels, quarters, whatever. Yeah. And then what was our question? Do you remember? It was something to the effect of if you had this many pennies or if you had this dollar left over at the end of the month, how many pennies of this dollar would you want to go in your savings bucket and how many pennies would you want to go in your investing bucket? Something like that, mm-hmm. right? Do you remember? I mean, and then the follow up question was what, John? Because they kind of look at you with their head cocked sideways, like, well, isn't that the same? Right. Well, I've, my one memory from that I have is the real estate people are like, oh, I'd invest all of it, you know, but that that's a different crowd, right? Right. They're not scared. Right. Yeah. Think about it this way. Think about fixed expenses. Those are a given. Whatever those are in your household, that's your mortgage, you know, insurance on the car, gas in the car, your cell phone, going out to eat, buying groceries, utilities, all those fixed expenses, right? There's some amount of money, amount of money left over at the end of the month or at the end of the year. Well, you would immediately think, well, I'll invest all that. Well, we're not done using savings yet. Well, what if you want to go on vacation? Where does that come from? Savings. What if you need to put a new deck on the back of your house? Where does that come from? Policy loan. Right. Or? Savings. Which is savings. Yeah. Right? I actually Uh, did a deck this year. Mm -hmm. Those are not cheap. Nope. Did one last year. So Mm. I can empathize. So, but all of those things, whether it's, and even, you know, people think, hey, I have a mortgage or I owe this money. I'm going to pay extra on that every month because I want to get out of this debt. Not, not altogether a bad theory, right? But that extra is coming from savings. That, that extra is savings dollars. And so when that dollar is left over, the 100 pennies, an example, for the real estate class, right, you wouldn't invest all that because then you don't have access to the money to do all those things we just called out. True. Right. Would you – like of people's, obviously everyone has like fixed expenses, variable expenses, and hopefully some discretionary dollars that they can allocate to savings or investments or a combo thereof. But, you know, this whole, I guess this old school thinking of like, okay, try to save 10% or try to save 20%. I mean, that's, if somebody's saving 20% of their gross income, big number, that's stout. Mm-hmm. Well, even at that high of a level, would you say that which is bigger? Somebody's amount uh, when when that extra dis, extra dollar gets reallocated to one of those two places or combo, which bucket gets more? Generally, generally the savings bucket. Then why do the majority of financial services professionals ignore the bigger amount and just focus on the the ten percent? Or if they're lucky, their client can save twenty because they're tightening that belt and they're going to eat at Shoney's instead of X Y Z restaurant or you know shop at Walmart instead of Target or I don't know, bad example. Let me, let, me answer, let me answer your question with a question. If I'm an advisor or you're an advisor and somebody can invest a dollar or save a dollar and go use it for something that doesn't flow through the advisor's hands, which way does that advisor make money? Only if it flows through. Right. Only if it's invested through them or with them, right? So what Again, so, not, not bad, right? So what we're gently saying is maybe the reason that financial services professionals don't analyze the bigger bucket, meaning the savings, is because they don't get paid on it? 
Could be one of the reasons. That's right. Right. And I would say, you know, we're in that world, right? We have colleagues in that world. I don't think that's because the advisors in general are not treating their clients the best they know how. Sure. They're just doing what they were taught. That's right. Right. And what they've heard. Mm -hmm. So, um, but again, it's ignored and it's, you know, 10 cents on the dollar is the investing bucket, 15 or 20 cents maybe, well, the other 80 cents just gets ignored, mm-hmm. right? Well, so if we can be just a little bit efficient with the 80 cents on the dollar and even just pick up some crumbs on that, well, if we had more savings, wouldn't we have more to invest? Yeah. If we had more to invest, couldn't we take less risk and get to our ultimate end, ending place, whatever that was? Yes, so wouldn't that be a good thing? Affirmative. Okay. I also think that if you look at someone's overall portfolio, when you have your savings dollars anchored to something that is predictable, where you have some guarantees, mm. where you, you have some clarity about the future, in my opinion, actually it allows you to take more risk with the other with your investment dollars. I mean, makes I think, you know, there's so many variables that are unknown in the mm-hmm. game, right? Mm-hmm. In life, <laughs> mm-hmm. and especially in the, the in the investment game. And it seems like if you can just eliminate one of those variables and have it be a known, it, it puts you ahead of the class. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, I mean, like you said, like there, how many knowns are in your life? Not many. Especially financially. You know, do you know exactly what your income is going to be next year? No. You might hope it's going to be trending in a certain way or above a certain number. You probably don't know exactly what it's going to be, right? Do you know exactly how your 401k is going to perform next year? Mm-mm. No. But when we put savings in a vehicle or in a tool, like even in a even a savings account or, or money market, the last 24 months, have rates been static or have they moved? They've moved. Right? Moved move to the benefit of the saver, right? Not to the benefit of the borrower in the last 24 months. Is that accurate? That's right. So we don't even know in those what we deem to be safe, reliable savings vehicles, savings accounts, money markets. We still don't know exactly what's going to be there next year, right? True. Or the year after that or the year after that. That's a fact. Is it comforting then to save in a place like properly structured dividend whole whole life, dividend paying whole life insurance where we know exactly what's going to be there next year and in year five and in year 10 and year 20 and there's no variables. I mean, with as much clarity as you can have with anything. That's exactly right. Which it's t- it totally it helps. I mean, it, it helps mentally. I mean, a lot of the the mental aspects of it, if we want to dig in, because again, like we said in previous episode, this is a lot of the, a lot of people's success or failures rely on human behavior. Right. I mean, that's a big component, mm-hmm. and it's tough. You know, keeping up with everybody. You know, go with the crowd because it's more comfortable. So, Brad, I mean, this sounds like very simplistic, but to close this thing out, why why do we put such a big emphasis on clearly defining and segregating savings from investments? Right. So I think that's important because if you don't segregate those and treat them differently, you're going to be in the in the mindset of the masses where I'm just going to hope everything works out. I'm going to set it to the side in my, you know, investment account, 401k, I'm just going to spend, spend, spend. And, you know, it's almost like you always chasing your tail, right? If we are more efficient with our savings, though, 
In other words, choose a proper vehicle to save money in and flow our investment opportunities from there and back to there. Well, that bucket always expands. And so we, if we have an ever-expanding pool of capital, our savings, well, then we, we have more and more opportunities that we can take advantage of to create all the things that everybody wants, uh, more passive income, more freedom of time, more freedom of cash flow, all those things that we want. But if we ignore the savings piece, which is 80% of what flows through everybody's hands, at least, is our savings dollars, if we ignore that, well, then we're ignoring 80% of our capacity to grow our net worth. That's right. And, you know, I don't know who told me this back in the day, but they're like, hey, money will not make you happy. It'll just give you more options. And I think by being very intentional and disciplined with your with your savings dollars, you know, it, it gives you more options, you know. And one of the things you said that rang, you know, made me think was, you know, that hope is not a strategy. I mean, there's a lot of people – and, you know, not looking down on them, it's just, it's it's a little bit concerning how many people are putting their families, their businesses, th- their real estate, their everything is is based on a hope. Hmm. And there's really not much certainty in there. And, you know. Hope like hope that your growth stock mutual fund does 12% every year for the next 30 or 40 years. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. I mean, history doesn't really repeat itself. But it rhymes. Mm, great. You like that one? Love that. That's a little golden nugget there, like John Blaylock. Yes, right, I buddy. love it. All right, guys. We're going to close it out here. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Save Yourself Podcast. Adios. You've been listening to Save Yourself. Conversations, ideas, and strategic thinking with the four founders of Unlimit Wealth. To learn more about Unlimit Wealth or to make a personal appointment, visit us online at unlimitwealth.com. <laughs>